Hi, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Nada Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast. In today's episode, we talk to Dr. Pauline Williams, a GP and an NRS career research fellow. She's based at the Institute of Applied Health Sciences at the University of Aberdeen, and we're going to discuss their paper titled Help-Seeking Behaviour in Women Diagnosed with Gynecological Cancer, a Systematic Review. We started off by talking about Pauline's previous work in this area, and Pauline, can you tell us a bit more about what your PhD was on and how that led to the work we're discussing in this paper? So my PhD looked at pelvic examination in diagnosing gynae cancer. That, my PhD just looked at clinical staff. And actually, as I kind of <clears throat> evolved and the project evolved, I realised that we were missing the beginning bit of it, which is what happens to women. What is it that prompts women to come to the doctor when they have symptoms? You know, individually, gynae cancers are, are, are not big cancers, ovarian, cervical, endometrial. But if you clump them together as, as a group of gynae cancers, they're third only just behind lung cancer in prevalence. So they're actually a really big health problem. One of the reasons I look at them all together is because I reflected on from clinical practice, actually, how we as clinicians respond to pelvic examinations and about gynae symptoms. And actually, people or women can be a bit reticent about coming forward. So that's why I look at all the gynae cancers together, because they all have this one thing in common is about the kind of cultural, social um, concerns about intimacy and associations with sexuality with, it, with some of the gynae symptoms that we have. But um, it's all just to create this big picture so that we can understand where, what and why patients come to the doctor. So we can we can look at ways of speeding up because our outcomes are not great in this country. Mm. But one of the things that contributes is we think women presenting a bit later um, and so they're getting diagnosed later. So if we can kind of speed up help seeking, can we improve outcomes? So, so we've talked a bit about the program of work you're doing, and it sounds like you're trying to tackle this question from different angles. So you've done the work looking at how clinicians approach pelvic examination. You're doing the qualitative interview project in a questionnaire study, and this was the systematic review to give a bit of background in the area. What were the main highlights coming up from those papers? Well, we use narrative synthesis, very heterogeneous set of papers, we're not going to draw direct um, you know, conclusions that are going to affect um, that we can say, yes, you must change your practice in this way. But there were several themes that came out. So we used a little bit of thematic analysis, which drew out three main themes, which were patient factors, emotional factors and practical factors. But I'm also interested in that anything that happens is based on behaviour. If we're going to invoke any intervention or use an intervention to improve outcomes, it's going to involve behaviour change. So I did also use the COMBI behaviour change tool as a framework to do deductive analysis on it. And the COMBI has the elements of capability, opportunity, motivation. So patient um, factors by far was probably um, symptom knowledge. So there were, I think, five or seven papers that indicated that people didn't have symptom knowledge. So they didn't appreciate what the symptoms were. 
some papers suggested, and this has been confirmed in my interview studies, that women don't even know that all the know the names of all the gynae cancers. But they don't know that their cancer exists. So it's very difficult for them to think when they've got a, a, a sensation which they determine is a symptom that they need to go and seek help for. It's very difficult for them to think I need to go and get help because they're not aware of what that symptom potentially could represent. So symptom knowledge was a particular theme that came out. And that also ties into misattribution. So a, a big symptom of gynae cancers is abnormal vaginal bleeding, but particularly for ovarian cancer, you get all these vague symptoms. So there's quite a lot of misattribution that can happen as well. I think, yeah, some patients normalise symptoms like postmenopausal bleeding. Absolutely. That's the other element. Um, so that bleeding, this is a physiological thing that women have all the way through their lives. And they become menopausal, period stop. But then even when they're bleeding afterwards, not all women will think that abnormal. Mm. And in fact, there was one study that compared abnormal um, bleeding from the urinary system, so blood and urine, compared to vaginal bleeding. And there was less delay in the the, the blood for, for patients who had blood in their urine because they, they know that that's wrong. But this, oh, I'm bleeding. Oh, well, yeah, but that's what women do. We, we bleed so... And a lot of the symptoms they will put down to menopause as well. Mm. And in younger women, we see that they might develop symptoms and we, um, either they or we as clinicians might think it's your, it's your contraception. So hormonal, the hormonal element of it can really um, impact things and cause misattribution on, on all sides, really. So going on to the emotional factors. So that was the second theme that you were going to highlight Again, lots of things that are in common with cancer in general. So fear of finding cancer, um, embarrassment, fear of wasting GP's time. The gatekeeper system that we have in the UK is great for managing our, our ever, um, ever tightened resource. So a gatekeeper system works great there, but it actually makes things difficult for patients because they don't want to waste that resource. So they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to come along and think, oh, I think there's something wrong. Oh, there's not. But there were um, some papers that highlighted people do worry about the, the association with sexuality with their gynae symptoms, um, that they do worry about pelvic examination, that some of them are concerned. But other emotional things, if people have had symptoms similar to this before, but they've been described as being benign, or if safety netting is not good enough, if we're not clear in our message about, you know, if these symptoms continue or they're getting worse, please come back. And patients need to trust their doctor. So if they've had a consultation in the past where there's been a loss of trust, then that will impact them seeking help in the future. And I, I as a as a clinician, I, I I I reflected on that that actually you think when you're in a consultation, it's all about what's happening at that time, isn't it? It's about all all that you can do. But actually, the way in that you behave during that consultation can have knock on effects months or years down the line for a patient. So that was, I, I, I find that quite reflective. So yeah, you've highlighted some important things there about safety netting. So clinicians need to be very clear about when to come back and about building trust. Mm. And I think in this, highlighting the emotional factors is really important because some women might fear embarrassment or being considered yeah. a time waster or a hypochondriac. We sometimes describe this thing about women being hysterical and yeah. 
there's been some work done around physician perceptions of women or women's pain and women not feeling listened to. And that's been highlighted in reports like the Ockenden report. So I can see lots of parallels here. Absolutely. We just need to think about the hysterectomy. It all comes from hysteria, doesn't it? All those, all those connotations. Half the population are women. We need to be more open. We need to, to be more accepting of people's concerns. And it, and it doesn't mean to say that we need to go hell for leather for examining women. We need to be very conscious of concerns that women have. And I think women or patients generally expect to be examined if we're just thinking about pelvic examination. People generally expect to be examined when they present to the doctor with a, a set of symptoms that are concerning them. We have to be really mindful in how we, we do that. Um, that there are differences with pelvic examination and intimate examination. Yeah. And like we were saying, how we respond to that and react to that can can, af- can affect patients moving forward. And then the last theme that you mentioned was the practical factors around help, help seeking. So can you talk us through that a bit? This is almost common sense, isn't it? But women have particular caring responsibilities. You know, they will often put their needs before others. So if they've got caring responsibility either for children or perhaps for partners, they will put their needs before their other responsibilities. So there's that element. And I think trying to get a GP appointment um, can, can be, if they know it's going to be difficult, if they know it's going to be a hassle, that's the kind of thing that delays them. And actually the length of the consultation is important. So if you think about the RC, the, the Royal College of GPs, but also the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, have, have each college have called for GP appointments to be 15 minutes. Mm. And I think this is another thing that's important, that when we're, as patients come along to speak to us about embarrassing, sensitive issues, it can also all, often take them a little while to get to the point. Mm. And the length of the consultation is important. And there were a couple of papers that highlighted that, that in shorter consultations, they might not get to the embarrassing bit. So you've touched upon a couple of the things, or you've touched upon some of the implications for GPs in terms of the emotional factors, in terms of building trust, um, in terms of safety netting, and you've touched upon the practical things that we might be able to do in practice to support these women. So what can GPs do in the patient factors area? So once patients have made the decision to consult with us, or they're still weighing up whether they want to consult with us, is there something that we can do at that level to support women, do you think? I think we have to listen to them and we have to believe that there's a, that I I remember being told I think probably quite early on in, in GP training that everyone who in those days in your waiting room um, has a perceived need and obviously we as clinicians determine um, the importance of that perceived need but everyone who's there has a perceived need and we have to respond to that appropriately and I think if we have women who are coming back to us particularly with the more vague symptoms what I would say is think gynae you know, if you if you if you have a woman who is over fifty and she keeps coming back with these kind of vague abdominal symptoms or maybe urinary symptoms, and it doesn't, you know, please just think gynae. So, if anything, for people listening, it's about planting a seed in their minds. Think gynae. I like that as a not a catchphrase, but as a take home message from from this. Um, <clears throat> so, 
I think we've touched upon the main results, the implications. Um, I wonder if you could just summarize what you did and what you found in this paper. So myself and um, the the rest of the team, um, we did a systematic review. We looked at five databases and we ended up with 21 papers. There were a heterogeneous set of papers in different countries with different methodologies, different cancer types. But using narrative synthesis, we were able to pull out all the nuggets to come up with these three themes that we need to think about the patient factors, the emotional factors and um, practical factors. But from that, we can see that help seeking, although it's the series of well-defined steps, actually there's lots of different inputs at each step. It's really complicated. And I think that's why perhaps some interventions don't give us the results we want, because it's not, although symptoms is really, really important, it came out really strongly, people need to have more than symptom knowledge. They need to be able to, they need to have the opportunity to visit the doctor at a time that suits them, and they need to be able to believe that going to the doctor is beneficial to them, that they're, that the benefits outweighs the fears that or potential embarrassment that they have. So I think that's the, the main thing. The symptoms are important, but we need to but giving patients symptom knowledge is never going to be enough if they're not able to overcome practical factors or if they don't trust their doctor or don't believe that going to the doctor will make a difference to them. So thank you. It's been a really interesting chat about women's help seeking behaviors and just the kind of barriers that women can face personally, emotionally, and thinking about the practical aspects. So I think that's given us a lot of information about what we could try to change and just having that seed in our mind of thinking about gynae cancer. So that's been really helpful. So thank you very much for taking the time. It's been really useful. Thank you. And thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. As ever, the original research article can be found on bjgp.org, along with the show notes and podcast audio, which can be found at bjgplife.com. Please share if you've enjoyed it and subscribe in all the usual places from your podcaster of choice. And I'm going to mention the BJGP Research Conference, which returns on Friday the 31st of March 2023. The abstract submission site is up and running. So if you'd like to present your work, then please do visit the website, which is bjgp.org forward slash conference for more information. We're going to have some great opportunities to present and discuss UK and international general practice research, along with some opportunities for networking. So it'd be great to meet some of you there. Thanks again for listening.